Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello guys, and welcome to the latest edition of the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm one of the usual hosts, Joe Holbert, and I'm joined today by Thomas Robry. Hello there. So we're, today we're going to uh, we're going to discuss the Atlantic Division, and we're going to discuss a couple of uh, funny things that have happened in the NBA, like Meta World Peace becoming relevant again. So, Thomas, how are we doing without basketball? Are you finding it difficult? Because I am. Uh, there's a lot of withdrawal symptoms. Having to watch preseason football, that's um, not very fun. Luckily, the Premier League's back. Yeah, Premier League being that's good, but my baseball team has just collapsed, so that's not very good either. But I guess it's preparing me for the Timberwolves, probably ending up with about 10 wins this year. <laughs> oh dear. Well, at least you've got the Cleveland Browns back soon. Yeah, but they're not going to be any good either, so don't no, worry. No, they're not. <laughs> right, so the Atlantic Division, guys, uh, it's, I'm not going to lie to you, it's a pretty bad division, but we want to cover it because it's been there's a couple of myths about the Atlantic division that we want to clear up so one of those myths is that the Knicks have had a really bad off season which isn't it's not true they've probably had the best off season in that division maybe one of the best in the eastern conference so but we'll we'll go in order of records last year starting from top down so we will begin with the Toronto Raptors. They last year, Thomas. What did you make of their collapse in the playoffs? Did did you expect it, or did it surprise you? I was surprised because I thought they were playing pretty well, and usually they're really good at Air Canada Centre. But the Wizards just came to play and outplayed them. And it was as somebody who likes the Raptors, it was quite hard to watch. Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, I wasn't one of these who had the Raptors as a, a winning team, not a winning team, but some had them going to the finals. And even without, um, even with Cleveland's second half form, I I didn't see it at all. I thought they had their issues. I don't think a front court of uh, Valanciunas and Amir Johnson is going to go to the NBA finals. That's just my opinion. I'm not sure a team with Kyle Lowry as their best player is going to go to the finals. But um, it just, it really was embarrassing the way it collapsed. But what was most shocking to me was that Dwayne Casey kept his job. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, that, both of the teams in that series, I wasn't expecting Whitman or Casey to keep their job. Casey in particular, because he prides himself on defense. He was like Monty Williams. And they, they just weren't that good defensively. No, they were embarrassed. They were a bit embarrassing. I know you can, there's always the argument that you can only work with what you've got. And I, I kind of agree with that. But they're not, they're not atrocious defenders. Like, there is, he could do something with it and he just didn't. They were bottom 10 in defensive efficiency. Um, their offense was pretty good, but it collapsed second half of the season. And one thing they've done to improve at both ends of the court is bring in Damari Carroll. Now, personally, I think he's overpaid, but we'll talk about the fee in a minute. What do you make of the fit with the team? I think it's a good fit. Like you said, he's he brings defense. He's probably... The thing is, he's overpaid, but he is one of the top five free and D guys in the NBA. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a great defender. You've just got to look at the stats. People shot, I think, 41% against him. That's really low, and I think I think you've got to sort of look at the context of the signing. They needed defense. I'm not a fan of the 15 million uh, a year, but 
you mentioned this quote last time from Stan Van Gundy. He said, would you rather have, a, was it a $5 million player for $5 million or an $8 million player for $12 million? Something along those lines, wasn't it? Yeah, you paid a little bit extra, but you're getting a guy who is worth more than, you know, cheaping out. Exactly. I, I agree with that. And I personally think he was the best 3 and D guy on the market. I, Danny Green's better than him, but Danny Green was never on the market. He was always going back to San Antonio, but he's better than Chris Middleton. And I just think he's a he's a decent fit. I think he could play as a two guard. You know, if DeRozan just decides to suck, uh, he's a bit oversized for the position. But I like the idea of him playing alongside Lowry or uh, Delon Wright. Um, but do you think the addition of Carroll really makes them? that much better? Honestly, no. I think it improves their defence, but I don't think it's going to make them overall a better team. No, they, they lost guys like Tyler Hansborough, who, he's not a great player, but he's really, he just really, he's a nuisance defensively, so they lose that from their front court. Yeah, and they've lost uh, the scoring sort of spark of Lou Williams, which... I know there's not a lot of Lou Williams fans out there. He's a very... It's a bit like Nick Young or J.L. Smith. People just go, he cares more about his private life. He's, you know, he's lazy defensively. But Lou Williams is a really good scorer. And he was really important for them last season. I don't think they've replaced that. I think they've sort of gone too far the other way. I think what they're banking on is Terrence Ross becoming really good as a sixth man. I don't buy into it personally. I think he's just an entertainer. What do you think? The thing is, I don't buy into that either, but Terrence Ross is one of the few players in the NBA who could go to All-Star Weekend and win the three-point competition and the dunk competition. He's he's incredibly talented. He just doesn't seem to be able to get to click on the call. It's really odd. He reminds me of Gerald Green. That's a good comparison. He really does a awful defender well he's not quite as bad as Gerald Green I don't think there's many people who are but he just he's so talented and you've got to look at him Dwayne Casey must look at him and go this guy can dunk he can shoot threes he's quick didn't he have a 50 point game once yeah I think he had a 52 point game last year I mean how can you it's like Mo Williams you just put up 50 something points and then crap it out the rest of the season yeah um I, I don't get it. I know Mo Williams had a 52-point game as well, but he's so talented. He can do everything, and he just he doesn't show it. He's he's too good to be to only be averaging 10 points a game on 26 minutes. He should be doing a bit better than that. And he's got to be more efficient. He's got to be more consistent. He's a bit of a turnover machine as well. That's been a big problem for him. But uh, another move they made, this is one I like it. He's not He's a bit underrated, Corey Joseph, isn't he? He's just... Yeah, I like him. I do as well. I mean, you can say he's a system guy, but you can't blame someone because they've played on a good team. That's just... Well, that's the thing. You don't know if he is because he's only played in in San Antonio. I know. It's a ridiculous line of argument, isn't it? Just going, yeah, he's a system guy. How do you know? He's not playing anywhere else. He, was an assist- he, was, he might be a system guy, but he was really good when he got a chance to play. He shot 50% from the field. Yeah, he's he's a surprisingly good three point shooter. He's just not one of the flashy guys. Yeah, I've got a feeling that he will be their backup point guard for most of the season. He'll play really well, and Kyle Lowry will be moved. 
Yeah. Because he's younger. He's bigger. He's a better defender. I like the idea of them moving Lowry and then maybe... I. The problem is, if you move Lowry, they'll want a power a power forward or a or a shoot or a point guard in return because they don't need a center, they don't need a small forward. So it it'd be interesting to see what they would get. But Corey Joseph, I think in a couple of years could be a starting point guard, depending on who he's got around him. I think if you've got three scorers on that team, I think Joseph could easily be the facilitator. Doesn't turn the ball over often, can shoot. Really good passer, Corey Joseph. I don't know if you noticed that last year. That's one of the main things I noticed about him. I I just saw him shoot surprisingly efficiently whenever he got the ball. I do do really like him as a player. The the one thing that I really like that they did, which is kind of confusing, was um, the re-signing of Valanciunas. Because it seems as though he's hated what, by the fans or just by... No, by you know, um, coach, can't remember his name now, gone blank. Dwayne Casey. Yeah, by Dwayne Casey, because he never plays him deep in the games. He always benches him, and yet they gave him, I think it was a four-year, $60 million deal. What I find really weird about the Valanciunas thing is when he came over, he was seen as like the saviour of of Toronto basketball because he was really good in Europe. And he, he is a good player, don't get me wrong. I'd have him as one of the better uh, centres in the in Eastern Conference, but... It, it just it doesn't seem Casey buys into him. He's the sort of guy that if you went to him, you know, if you went with Dwayne, you know, would you rather have Valanciunas or Amir Johnson? He'd probably say Amir Johnson, and that's just nonsense. Valanciunas is such a talented player. He's brilliant in the pick and roll. He's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. He's, he's, actually, a, yeah, he's really good. He's got a really good post offense. He has, and I think his defensive ratings, if you look at them, they're not great. But you've got to remember, he had no. They had no perimeter defense. He was getting battered for 26 minutes a game, which is what he played last year. And I think a guy who could help with that, the post defense, it's a nice smooth transition here, is uh, Bismarck Biombo. Now, we have a we work with a Charlotte Hornets fan, Mark Benton. I hope you're listening, Mark. Um, he's a big fan of Biombo. He's a good defender. We acknowledge that. He's actually pretty good in the pick and roll. If you look at the offensive stats, um, they were a better team with him on the court. But what do you think of of that signing? Do you think it's just a desperate signing, or do you think that he'll do a good job for the Toronto Raptors? Fingers of Biombo. He will always have that. He was first first overall pick, wasn't he? Uh, as a first round, he's seven. Yeah, he's always going to have it over, and he was a high draft pick. Yeah, so we think people are going to say he's not very good, but when you actually look at him, he's a decent defender, like you said. And everybody slates on him for being bad offensively, but he's not amazing. But he doesn't screw up offensively. I, he will, he will add room protection to them. I prefer that signing to the Louis Scola one. Yeah, he's good in the pick and rolls. Um, He's not. He can't jump shoot, but do they need jump shooting? They've got. I know you don't like him, but Louis Scola can shoot from mid range. Valanciunas no, has actually off. got. Yeah. He's got a reliable jump shot, Valanciunas. I'm maybe not reliable, but he can shoot. Um, Terence Ross can shoot. I'm not sure they needed a guy who's going to come on and stretch the floor in that position. Well, they got Patrick Patterson. Yeah, and uh, James Johnson as well could shoot. They. 
he's not an exciting player, but I think you need a rim protector. He reminds me of Omar Ashik. Doesn't offer a lot offensively. A really good rebounder and a pretty good defender as well. That, that's a fair comp. Although I, I think I'd prefer Ashik if I had a choice of the two. Yeah, I would as well. Ashik's a bit bigger as well. Biomba's only six foot nine. I love how we say only six foot nine. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm never going to reach that height. <laughs> oh dear. They didn't really do a lot else. Uh, they signed some some strange guy, you know, Ronald Roberts and Shannon Scott. Or I think they were on their summer league team. I don't know a lot about them. The one rumor that's floating around about the Raptors that I really hope they don't do is um, if Tristan Thompson becomes an unrestricted free agent, they're going to max him out next year. Jesus Christ! Don't do. I mean, you've overspent on Damari Carroll. You do not want to overspend on Tristan Thompson as well. See, Toronto fans, they like the idea of Canadian players. Yeah, they're all hoping Wiggins goes there in the future. Yeah, and that's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, like, don't get me wrong, I could see him going there, but not in their current state. He's got, if he stays at Minnesota, he's playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns and, and Zach Levine, Shabazz Muhammad for a long time. So, Toronto fans, you are not getting Andrew Wiggins. Get over it. Just... Tristan Thompson going back home to Canada would be a good story if it wasn't for a max contract. So Louis Scully was an all-star not that long ago, I think. Pretty sure he was an all-star. So what I like about him is he can shoot Louis Scola and he does space the floor, but I've just kind of contradicted myself because I just said they didn't need floor spacing. But <laughs> it's just, it's more of a... I don't hate the pickup. I just think it's weird. It's one of those moves that I'm just thinking, why? Was it necessary? And I don't think it was, but maybe Dwayne Casey wanted him. He maybe wanted some experience, someone to mentor his Patrick Patterson and Jonas Valanciunas. That would be my guess. Playoff Um, experience would be pretty key, because I think think last year was only their second trip to the playoff in like 10 years or something like that. Yeah, they've not got very good history. So like Damari Carroll and Louis Scola... And Corey Joseph in particular bring a lot of experience. We've discussed their their draft pick of DeLon Wright in depth before, so I won't go into it again. But for me, that pickup, it it gives them a bit of a logjam at guards. They've got DeLon Wright, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Landry Fields, who is injured, but he can offer something. Corey Joseph, Norman Powell. Do you think they've got too many guards? Yeah. yeah. I feel really sorry for Norman Powell because... I'm a big fan of his coming from UCLA, but it, when he got drafted, I thought he was in a good situation, and now it's he's like fifth in a depth chart at guard. I, I, I do think they're they've got far too many guards, and they're going to have to move at least one of them. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see what happens there because obviously you've got all those guards. They're they're all, in my opinion, going to want to play. Then none of them are like really bad. I think Norman Powell, you could see him maybe being on the bench for a year or deep in the rotation or in the D League, but certainly the other ones we mentioned are all going to want to be starting. Another team, <laughs> another team with a guard jam is the Boston Celtics. They were arguably the most surprising team last year. I would say they were. I thought they'd be terrible. I thought they'd have a chance at a top five pick, but they were they were relatively good. They didn't score a lot, but they were they were exciting, weren't they? They Stretched the floor nicely. They put up a lot of threes. Isaiah Thomas was a brilliant pickup. What did you make of them last year? Did they really surprise you? And what did you think of their playoff uh, performance? 
I was surprised. I was in the group of Boston fans. I'm not a Boston fan, but like most of their fans wanted to stick to Danny Ainge's plan and lose and get a high draft pick. But when they got Isaiah Thomas, they just kicked into life that I didn't think they'd have, and they were really fun to watch. Yeah, he averaged 19 points a game at Boston in 26 minutes. I don't think Isaiah Thomas is their best player, though. Jay Crowder has been terrific since they they traded for him. He's not their best player, but he's absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, their best um, their best shooter and their best scorer, I would say. And they got him back on a really cheap contract as well. Yeah, they did. I, I'm really happy for him. I, I really liked him at Sacramento. As soon as he came to the league, I've... I'm not saying I thought he was going to be this good, but I thought this guy's a decent role player considering he was picked last in the draft. Um, and Phoenix, when they signed him, it was just, it was a weird situation that I don't know why when, when you don't have a good small forward or power forward, you have three point guards who all like handling the ball together. It was, that was a weird situation that in Phoenix. Yeah. thing is they signed him on a really cheap contract and then, they tried playing this really stupid free backcourt format like type of offense and it failed dismally and he was apparently the one who was butting heads in Sacramento and butting heads in Phoenix and then he went to Boston and was terrific as a sick man. Yeah, I've spoken in length about that Phoenix thing. I think I've written an article on it on the site and I think they got rid of the two guards they should have kept. I think they should have kept Dragic and Thomas but they've kept Bledsoe. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. Bledsoe's not that great. It's not even that. It's just, I think I think Thomas is happy to be a sixth man. I just think Dragic is much better than Bledsoe, even with his I'm... defensive faults. But um, another player who has defensive faults, I'm liking these smooth transitions today, is David Lee. They That was really their main move, I would argue anyway. They traded him for Gerald Wallace and Chris Babb, who I think has been waived by Boston. Now, David Lee's a divisive player because traditional like American fans, they like defensive power forwards, but he's pretty much all offense, isn't he? He's a really bad defender. He's a bit of a turnstile, but I think they needed scoring, especially in the front court. I don't think you can rely on Jared Sullinger anymore. I mean, do you agree with me or do you sort of think his defense is going to be that bad that it's going to be detrimental to that team? thing is, their issues were they needed a rim protector but they also needed front, score, front court scoring. So they couldn't really go wrong. And David Lee, he brings a veteran presence to that team. He's been an all-star as recent as two years ago. And he proves when he came in in the finals that he can still put points and he can still play really well. Yeah, Stephen was going to love him. It's, it's kind of weird that, that he he wasn't playing in the finals. He was an all-star two years ago. It just shows how good the Warriors were. And you've just, I really like this pickup. I think I saw an article. I can't remember where it was. I think it might be Bleach Report that was saying that David Lee is, you know, he's going to be detrimental and he's going to be the reason they don't make the playoffs. I think that's really harsh. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think it's because of David Lee. I actually think he makes them better. But I just think the other teams around them have strengthened as well. Yeah, considering the other issues they've got on their team, like Avery Bradley being their leading scorer, <laughs> you can't exactly blame David Lee for not making the playoffs if they don't. That's ridiculous. Exactly. And I, 
I don't think they'll make the playoffs purely because of I just don't think they're that good. Yeah, and the East is going to be a lot stronger this year. Yeah, I mean, you'll get the cynics listening. You'll go, we say that every year, but teams gen- genuinely have got better in the East. I'd say there's two awful teams, and that's one of them's not the Knicks, surprisingly. I don't think the Knicks are terrible anymore. But I there's a big logjam to get into those playoffs this year. You've got to hope. As a Celtics fan, you'll be up there, but I'm I'm not that optimistic about them. No, me neither. One of the reasons for this, I thought their draft was weird. I I like the pickups of RJ Hunter and Jordan Mickey, but using your just well, it's a mid first round pick on Terry Rozier. I, I just thought it was very strange. But I said it just after the draft when we reviewed it. If they got Rozier. Uh, where they got Hunter and Hunter, where they got Rozier, nobody has an issue. The issue is how high Terry Rozier went, and he went. Was it sixteen? Sixteen, yeah. Uh, that that's awfully guy for a guy high for a guy who can only defend. Yeah, do, do you know what I found funny? I was listening to um, I think it was the Zat Low podcast. It was about a month ago now, but they were talking about Rozier and his his trainer. This is what he said. He compared Rosier to Dwayne Wade and Damian Lillard. Now, first of all, Dwayne Wade is one of the best scorers in the history of basketball. Like that guy is just a flat-out scorer. And Lillard, I know we don't like him, but one thing he doesn't do that Rosier does is defend. Lillard's a scorer too. It's just such a terrible comparison. I don't really usually get into that, but that, I don't know why seeing it really annoyed me. Yeah, no, that, that's they're really bad comparisons. <laughs> I don't know who I'd compare him to, but it's certainly not Dwayne Wade or Damian Lillard. No. I, I feel like Mike Conley is his ceiling. and I'm I'm talking, you know, a really high ceiling in a castle with chandeliers and stuff. I don't think he'll ever <laughs> be that good. But I think that's his, that is his absolute ceiling. Yeah, comparing him to Dwayne Wade might be one of the most ridiculous things I've heard in a while. The comparison I like for Rozier is Patrick Beverly. See, that's good. And as much as I like Patrick Beverly, I don't think I'd use a 16th pick on him in the deep, because this is a pretty good draft, 2015. I think we'll look back on this as one of the great ones. Well, considering the likes of Bobby Portis went after him. Yep, and Jerian Grant. And Jerian Grant. Justin Anderson. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd rather all of them over Terry Rozier at 16. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. But they did nicely in the second round. I, I think we've picked up on that before. I don't want to discuss the draft again in depth, but Boston really didn't do a lot this year uh, in the off season. We've we've mentioned it. I've sort of we've they're a team we discuss a fair bit when we're talking about the Eastern Conference. But are you with me that there's not very there's not a very high chance of them getting into the postseason? No, I don't have them getting in. Just because teams that were weaker last year, like Miami and Detroit, look so much better. Yeah, Charlotte as well have strengthened really nicely. Yeah, I just think Boston are now going to filter down to where they should be. Last year was just a fluky season for them. I agree with that. and They reminded me of Phoenix the year before, but obviously Phoenix didn't make the playoffs. The sort of we all expect them to be really, really bad, and they just they had a young coach, a flexible coach, an open-minded coach, and they just thrived under him, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, 
Hornacek and Stevens are pretty good comp, to be fair. Yeah, but my favourite move Boston have made, and it's a when you consider what three and D guys are going for, it's a bargain. Jay Crowder, five-year, $35 million deal. You mentioned him a minute ago as one of their best players. It's a steal. I agree with you. He is outstanding. When Dallas got rid of him for Rondo, I thought that, I said it at the time. I'm like, they should have manufactured a deal without getting rid of Crowder. And I, I don't think they could have done that because I don't think Boston would have accepted Devin Harris. or Yeah, Dallas's bench completely collapsed without him. He is brilliant. I mean... He he shot 28% from three at Boston, which isn't very good. But before that, he was shooting 34 in Dallas. And I think part of it at Boston was I don't think they had the floor spacing. And they didn't have the offense at front court, which meant if you don't have people who can shoot in the front court, it becomes a bit jammed in the paint because teams don't pay any attention to your forwards. I think David Lee opens up the floor for Jay Crowder a bit. And I'd, I'd like to say that percentage will jump up by at least... I think he'll go from 28 to about 35, all being well. I mean, do you, when you say a steal, do you mean for them, or do you just mean in comparison to the rest of the market? Well, if you look at like the price that players are going for, compare him to Damari Carroll, like how much money they got. Yeah, I'm not sure there's much difference between them. They even have the same haircut. I Yeah, I'd rather invest the money in... Jay Crowder, who's not much worse. This is going completely against the Stan Van Gundy philosophy. <laughs> but I'd rather have spend less money on Jay Crowder, who isn't what it's seven million a year he's making, whereas I think he's on fifteen. So he's not eight million a year worse than Damari Carroll, is he? No, I don't think he is. Um I mean Surely you'd rather save that eight million and spend it on somebody else if you're going to be spent spending fifteen million on Demari Carroll and seven on Crowder. I couldn't agree any more. And I think with Boston, they more so than Toronto, they need that cap flexibility because they want to go after big guys in free agency, don't they? Whereas I don't yeah. think Toronto have. I'm not saying they don't want to go after them, but I don't think they need to as much. I think they've got a couple of people who could be stars on that team. Whereas Boston, they want this offseason was a disaster in terms of free agency. They wanted Love, they wanted Aldridge, they wanted Monroe. Didn't get any of them. Uh, David Lee's not a bad fallback guy, but do you think Boston? Do you think this was just a bad free agency offseason, or do you think it shows that maybe they can't attract the big players anymore? I think it's more to do with that. I think Boston are trying to use Brad Stevens as their main selling point, which is a good selling point. Don't get me wrong, he's a terrific coach. But when your best player is a sixth man, yep. you're going to struggle to attract talent. And everyone says, oh, well, it's playing for the Celtics. You know, they're this legendary franchise. But yeah, look, when was the last time they competed for a championship? I'm glad you've said that because I don't buy into this idea. It's the Lakers that, thing too. It's like we should yeah. get these players because we're the Lakers and we're the Celtics. It's not, it's not 1970 anymore. Like you can get a nice house anywhere. You can have a fun life anywhere. It's I, I don't believe that the LA, the, the, the New England attraction exists anymore. I think people want to play for teams with a good front office, which I'm not saying Boston don't have, by the way. I think they do. Yeah, that, that they want they want to play for stable teams. They don't want to. That's why no one joined the Lakers. No one wants to go and play for a team that 
you know, where the GM is being overruled by the owner, where Mike D'Antoni goes in and doesn't get players for his system and then, then leaves, where Kobe Bryant is still considered the best player. No one wants to go and join that. It's a mess. And I'm, I don't, I'm not saying Boston are a mess. Don't, do not get me wrong. I think they're a well-run franchise. I like what they're doing, but I don't, they've got to try something else to get free agents. They can't just go, yeah, look at us. We've won 18 championships. No one cares about that. Players don't. What screwed them up is they picked 16th this year and got Terry Rozier. If Brad Stevens stuck to Danny Ainge's plan and they didn't make the playoffs, they could have got a really good player. They could have got campaign if they wanted a point guard, if they wanted a guard. I mean, if they stuck to that plan, they could have got a first-round talent who would have improved their starting five straight away. Yeah, it's... I think... If you are... I'd be, I don't know any Boston fans, which is surprising. But I would I know about four. I would love to ask one of them, would you rather have last year made the playoffs and... They were they were battered by the Cavs. Let's not sugarcoat it. Or would you rather have been terrible, like the Lakers, the Knicks, uh, the Timberwolves, the Kings, and got on, you know, Emmanuel Moody, I, Willie Cauley, Stein, Stanley Johnson? I'd be very interested to hear their responses to that. I am currently texting somebody, so I'll let you know their reply. <laughs> it's it was a good draft, I guess. But one team who I think had a terrible draft, another smooth transition for me, was the Brooklyn Nets. I We've we've got a couple of writers who who follow the Nets. I personally, this is the way I see their off season. They're being pulled in two different directions. Signing people like Donald Sloan, Thomas Robinson, Chris McCullough, Shane Larkin. That signals a rebuild to me. You're signing guys who have a point to prove, who could develop into good players. But then they go and bring back. They don't trade Joe Johnson, and then they sign Thaddeus Young. And Brooke Lopez, do you agree with me that it's sort of going in both directions? Well, Brooke Lopez, he was the only guy on that team from last year that I would have kept around, just because he's so good offensively. It's but, tr- but it's like, I don't think with this roster they're going to be bad enough to land a top four pick. And you've got to remember, now this is a good point that, that someone I know made, Um he said, we don't have any picks, Philly have them all, so we need to at least bring in guys who are going to attract for other free agents in. Do you kind of agree with that? Because Thaddeus Young and Brooke Lopez are good players. and I do, yeah. If you can put somebody next... I mean, if you're having Brooke Lopez as your main scorer, which is probably what they're going to do, which I don't have a problem with. I think he's second best, probably, well, arguably the best offensive centre in the NBA. If that's your plan and you have no picks... You got you have to move somebody like Joe Johnson because that contract kills you. Yep, it's it's going to be extremely interesting to see if people want to join Brooklyn next summer because there's some good free agents out there. But I think when their owner is it Rybelev, yeah, Pro, no Prokhorov, 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 yeah, is he not sold them yet? No, he's still got them. He's still there. But when he first took over, I personally believe they were an attractive franchise to join. You're living in New York. I know that again contradicts what I've just said, but <laughs> but they were good. They had Kevin Garnett, they had Paul Pierce, they had Darren Williams, who, in my opinion, was an MVP level point guard back then. Not not so much anymore. They had a good roster. They had money behind them, so you could probably get overpaid a bit because he was happy to pay luxury tax. 
Now they're just an absolute mess. Their biggest issue was Billy King. He's the worst general manager I've ever seen. He hands out horrific contracts, makes stupid trades, and he doesn't know how to run a sports team. I'll name one worse, David Kahn, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He drafted three point guards in one round. That's all I'm saying. That's pretty bad, but have you seen what Billy King has done in Oh, Brooklyn? yeah, he is awful, isn't he? Name one decent movie's made. <sighs> Good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's horrendous at his job. Oh. And, like... He was their GM last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and he's freaking awful. I think the Faddeus Young trade was good. I think he Faddeus Young pushed them into the playoffs, but that's still pushing it a bit. He's been their GM since two, 2010. Yeah, those have been some dark times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people say, oh, well, he got that, you know, that he helped get that big that group in from Boston. It's like, yeah, but they didn't do anything. Well, from what Kevin Garnett said because I've listened to his interviews, big fan of his. He's a legend. And he said that in Brooklyn, the problem was upstairs. He said that there was no sense of professionalism in the franchise. He said that in training um, and practice, him and Pierce were the only ones who were trying. The rest were just like, yeah, I'm getting paid. And maybe that's the problem with having a rich owner, is that people go there for the money. They don't give a crap about the franchise. Which is really sad because, like, when they were the New Jersey Nets, they were yeah. a fun team when they had like Jason Kidd and Vince Carter. Oh, they were! I, I wish I was older to have appreciated that team. Kidd they were and, fun. so fun. Vince Carter is probably the. F- it's going to be sad when he retires. And He's, now they've got nothing. They've, they're ever paying for players. It's really ridiculous. Their likely backcourt this year, I think, is going to be Jarrett Jack and Joe Johnson. The bench will be Shane Larkin and Wayne Ellington. I mean, that's just not very good, is and it? Donald Brown. Yeah, they've they've got a lot of weird guards. It'll be interesting to see if they all play. But Their team's just not... I mean, you look at it and it's just not attractive. I mean, they signed Andrea Bagnani and said it was a big move. <laughs> I was going to give that his own five minutes... A team, teams fought over Andrea Bargnani. <laughs> it could only be the Kings and the Nets, though. <laughs> no other team would touch him with a barge pole. Oh, it's ridiculous. That, that That is the move that sums them up for me. They they want to rebuild. They want to have this professional attitude where sort of that culture Philly are building, without the losing, they're building a culture of guys who go there and they get better. But they've signed... One of the biggest busts in NBA history. And he's it's not even like he's okay. He's terrible. He's really bad. Like some number one picks, yes, they don't live to expectation, but they're still serviceable players. Yeah, that? he's he had one of the worst contracts in the NBA for a very long time. He's, he's now not on that contract and still isn't worth the money he's getting. He's just so bad. I remember when the Knicks traded for him, and I was I was actually visiting New York at the time because I used to live over there, and <laughs> my friends were just like, "Seriously, what on earth is happening here?" Yeah. That was that was a hilarious Knicks team. They had some real characters on that team. It but, says a lot about the Nets situation that they lost Mason Plumlee, Alan Anderson, and Mirza Teletovic, and they're considered big losses. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot about how bad your team is. 
Yeah, don't get me wrong. I like those three um, players you've just mentioned, but I get your, I get the point you're trying to make. They should not be key cornerstones to any team. No. But their draft, I hated their draft. I like Chris McCullough. I do not like Rande Hollis Jefferson. Um, I'm not very high on Hollis Jefferson either. I, I don't even think he's that good of a defender. The only good thing is they've still got um. Do they still have Corey Jefferson? Yeah, he he was pretty good last year. So if they can, they're relying on McCullough and Jefferson to be good young forwards for them. Bojan Bogdanovic is a pretty good player, but he just doesn't play that often. No, Corey Jefferson got waived. Oh, did he get waived in the end? <laughs> Imagine waving him and keeping Brande Hollis Jefferson. Man, that that's not good. And signing Quincy Miller. Hey, man, nothing wrong with you. We had him in Denver for a little bit. He's okay. He's all right, but I mean, wouldn't you rather have a, a guy who could get better? Whereas Miller, Miller's the sort of guy I'd sign if I was a contender. They literally have no decent small forwards. I'm checking out their roster. They've got Boyan Bogdanovich, who could play there. Joe Johnson, who's probably going to have to play there. Sergi Karasev. Sergi Karasev. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're... When I look at rebuilding teams, I like their rosters to make sense. Theirs doesn't. They've got a good front court. But you, I think 10 years ago, a front court could just power their way to the playoffs. It doesn't work anymore. You need good guards. and they, They've got no distribution in the backcourt. No. I can't see anybody who can pass. Joe Johnson's a fantastic scorer. He's one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite ever players. Joe Johnson, really fun. To yeah, watch. when he was in Atlanta, he was incredible. I loved when they had him and Josh Smith. They were really fun to watch. Yeah, but even ignoring his contract, he just doesn't fit on that team anymore. No, in my opinion, I think he's. I'd like to have seen him at Memphis, but they're really buying into their defensive philosophy, aren't they? And someone like him really could have helped them, but. I think this team's going to be really bad this year. I I like Young and I like Lopez, but are they going to push this team to... They fit? won 38 last year. They're oh, not getting anywhere near. God, they should be happy with half of that this year. Yeah. The only thing going for them is that they've got Philly and the Knicks in their division. That is about it. Yeah, they're not going to be the like, dead last. But I don't know. If we're moving on to the Knicks, dead... They're no longer the laughing stock. I quite, I really like what they've done. Who, who's your favourite pickup? Chris Stapp's Paul Zingas. All right, we'll talk about Paul Zingas. When he was booed, I I actually understand the Knicks fans. I know you were. I know you won't agree. Hear me out. From what I hear, they were booing the organisation rather than Paul Zingas. I just think they could have done it in a better way, personally, because the guy's nineteen. He's younger than me. He's just come over, and the last thing he wants is a load of angry New Yorkers booing him. Yeah, which was completely uncalled for. I can understand why they're frustrated with Phil Jackson, because he promised, like, oh, we'll be a playoff team. Last year, they were supposed to be a playoff team. And even if it wasn't realistic, they should not have been as bad as they were. I mean, Uh, it doesn't help that Melo was injured for a large portion of the season. I think even with him, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. I just don't think their roster was good enough. They had zero defence on that team. Like, Calderon's a fantastic... Poor man, Steve Nash, isn't he? He's yeah. Good passer, good, good three-point shooter. Just a terrible defender. And he was out as well, to be fair. But they've, they had Bagnani as their best forward. <laughs> and Lou Amundsen. Oh, my... We had Amundsen at Minnesota on trial, I think. 
or the equivalent of a try. He was just terrible. And they've, but I guess they've signed him to make the numbers up, haven't they? Lou Amundsen. Basically, yeah. I wouldn't buy in. I wouldn't go. You know, it's it shows he's going to play. You need thirteen on the roster. He's probably going to be the number twelve guy. That's that's you know the reality of it. But Paul Zingis, what do you? What can we expect from him this year? He can do things that I've only seen Dirk Nowitzki do. He's he's a legit seven footer. He needs to put on a bit of weight, but he can stretch the floor. He's got a terrific shooting stroke. He can hit the three better than some players that I've like players in this draft who are supposed to be good three point shooters. He can shoot better than them. He's a good rim protector. He says himself he loves playing above the rim. I I, I just think he's. The future of NBA bigs. He's so good. He's so versatile. He's got. He does have to learn, you know, defensively. He needs to put on weight. But I think he's this really exciting prospect. I didn't like how he was booed at all. And what I like about, him, I think he is the next Dirk. I don't think that's a lazy comparison. It just. Be, we're not. I'm not saying it because he's European. That's that's rubbish. If anyone thinks that, I just think he's such a similar player. His jump shot is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> like. As weird as that sounds, it's a really nice jump shot. Um, Dallas's offense for the last four years has been built around, you know, Dirk at the top of the paint. I think the Knicks could run something similar if they ditch that horrible triangle. Do you do you think that in a few years he is going to be the center of their offense? Because I, I do. I really Without a doubt, he's the combination of Jerry and Grant running the offense and Kristaps Porzingis being this scorer for them. I think it could be really special. Yeah, and then you've got Robin Lopez as a defensive stopper. You've got, I'm not a big Aaron Aflalo guy. We'll talk about him in a minute. I'm not a fan, but he can shoot. He can create his own shot. That's not a bad guy to have in the corner. But then Mello. But you, we'll talk about Mello, actually. He's a, he's a, I personally, I don't understand the hate he gets. I'm a huge Mello guy. He's so good. How can anyone hit? Like, I, you, when you're talking about a player, you cannot look at their personal life. Yes, he's a bit of an ass on Twitter. And stuff like that, and on Instagram. But what's that got to do with what he does on the court? When he is on the court, he is the best scorer in the NBA. Boy, a smile. He's so good. Se- second is James Harden, and I still think he's a, a long way behind. It isn't, he can't just do ISO. In transition, he's deadly, because if you stand off him, he'll ping a three in. But if you step up to him, yeah, goodbye, he's past you. The thing is, he's not a horrendous defender, right? Yeah, he's, not, he's not good, but yeah, he's not like a I don't think he's detrimental to the team defensively. No, and his assist numbers aren't as bad as everybody makes out. I mean, he's not no. on the bronze level, but if we're going for you need to score, I'm picking Mello over Braun any time. If, if I'm building a team and someone goes to me, get me the best scorer in the league, I'm picking Carmelo Anthony every day. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing is, if the role players can click this year, and Mello comes back ninety percent of what he was. They could be, they could win forty games, but they need a lot to happen because Mello is that yeah. good. They they remind me of Sacramento. They could be good, but they've got one real star, Cousins Mello. But a lot needs to go right. They need Robin Lopez to score more. They need Jerian Grant to adapt quickly, similar to how they, uh, Sacramento need Rondo back. They they need everyone to step up. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think to say the Knicks could push 
for a tenth seed, I don't think that's ridiculous anymore. No, me neither. And people say, oh, well, it's, you know, the tenth seed, it's only a few places off, you know, where they were. But the Knicks are no longer the laughing stock of the Eastern Conference because even though the 76ers have a wor- had a worst record, everybody knows their plan. They know they're going to lose. Yep. Whereas it, they, nobody was expecting the Knicks to, you know, lay a turd like they did last year. I, I thought they'd be all right. I thought they'd be about 10th seed, which is now what I expect from them. The issue they've got, like the, like the Kings, is they're stuck in this offense that just isn't going to win. Mm. And Derek Fisher's not going to turn around to Phil Jackson and say, I want to play it my way. He's, got, he's a yes man. And as long as that, that, that happens... Phil is going to try and stick to this horrendous triangle and they're not going to win. It's really sad how he is a yes man because he people say he's a bad coach. I don't because I, I don't say he's good, but he may be an okay coach, but how are we supposed to know? He's, he's basically, it's like a guy coming up to you and saying, yeah, do this for me. And you can't show any creativity, any flexibility if someone does that. No, I, he could be similar to Jason Kidd if he got out of New York and he got to a team where he's allowed to run it himself. He could be a really, really good coach. But as you say, Phil Jackson, you know, being a, basically an overbearing parent, making you spin, that's not good because Phil hates three point shooting. He went on a rant on Twitter about hating three point shooting. Yeah. Oh, that was funny, wasn't it? He, uh, <laughs> that was retweeted earlier today. I, I had to laugh. It was funny because he did it after, I think, Memphis knocked out Portland because Memphis are, a, are not a three-point shooting team. And I think after Golden State dropped a game against someone or something like that, it's just like you're judging this on one game. Like The two teams in the finals were three-point teams. And it's just... Well, the four teams left in the... Um, the conference finals were four of the top five three-point shooting teams as well. Yep. It's like, it wins. Get over it. I agree it wins, and I want to actually dedicate a podcast to the to the changing of the NBA. I agree with some people in the sense that I think you only play it if you've got the players for it. Like Some people think Memphis should change, but let's, no not, for, let's, let's not forget Memphis. It took Golden State to knock them out. Like, I think people just go Memphis lost because they play grit and grind. That's that's a really lazy argument. Golden State are a really good team. Like, they've got the two best shooters in the NBA in their backcourt. And I just think I'm not a big believer that everyone should run small ball. I think you should run with what you've got. Like I don't think Philly should run small ball. They've I think Okafor Noel could be a backcourt in the future. I re- sorry, a frontcourt in the future. Yeah, that that is a good frontcourt. Like, I think a lot of people are just over relying on this sort of pace and space thing. I don't know what you think on that. No, they are, and the thing is, it's it's like the NFL to copycat league, and because one team's done it and they're really successful, people are trying to like quickly get transition yeah. to that without thinking about it. Yeah, you've got to work with. It sounds so simple, but so many people don't get it. Yeah, you can't just say, "Oh, he's a good three point shooter. He's a good three point shooter. Let's sign them," because it you, it takes more than just Picking exactly. guys off the street and saying, shoot the ball. Yeah, back to Memphis. I know we're not supposed to be chatting about it, but they're the team. I think 
I've written an article before saying they need to change. I don't think they should invest in a stretch four. I think they just need a scorer because I don't think Courtney Lee's that guy. But well, I, yeah, I think it was it was either basketball insiders or the eye on basketball said that Brandon Wright is basically going to be their sixth man, their scorer off the bench. Mm. I like Brandon Wright, but he shouldn't be a, your sc- your main scorer off the bench. No, I doubt even he wants to do that. It's a lot of pressure being a sixth man. So when it was rumoured that Joe Johnson was going to go there, that would have been brilliant for their team. Yeah, and they've been linked with Kevin Martin again. Now, I've, I'm going to write an article on this for the site. Kevin Martin is a really bad defender. And I just think when you have a defensive philosophy, why would you abandon it? Like stick to your guns. You can pick up scorers who are competent defenders. Like Joe Johnson, I think, is a competent defender. But Martin is, I can tell you, he's detrimental. Like Two years ago, Minnesota were a good team. And I think we didn't make the playoffs because of him. Because he was just, teams were targeting him. And we were just getting ripped apart defensively. So, you know, it's just an interesting thing to keep in mind. But I just spoke about the Okafor Noel back front court. So we'll we'll transition then into the Sixers. They're not a very popular team for either of us. I absolutely hate their project. I can't stand it either. It makes me sick, just losing on... I can understand rebuilding. There's rebuilding and then there's genuinely setting your team up to lose it. It's just, it's annoying because Brett Brown is a really good coach and I'm sure he enjoys his job. He's one of 30 people lucky enough to coach an NBA team. But surely there's got to be a point where they start winning, surely. There has to be because by the time it gets to them winning, I think this is the fourth year of this project. Four years and they still don't win. And there's going to be a time where they're going to want to win. And their best players, why? Why would we stick around? If all they've done is, all they know is how to lose in the NBA. You'd want to move on. There's no point playing for a team that has no ambition. Because all of their best players are um, forwards, aren't they? Yes, they are. They've their backcourt is Tony Roten and Nick Stauskas. We, we'll talk about the Stauskas thing quickly uh, in a minute. But I, I kind of like the Stauskas pickup. Their, their, their thing, isn't it? It's we sign guys who, who have a points proof. He was picked by Sacramento. He was never given a chance. Let, let's be fair. He was never given a chance, was he? By mm. Mike, Mike, Mike Malone and George Carl. Neither of them liked him. And I think I like the idea of him next to Roten because Roten's actually quite a good passer. I mean, do you think that backcourt could be, I'm not going to say good, but do you think it could be competent? It could, yeah, because before Roten got injured, he was playing really well. And I know people say it's easy to look good on a bad team, but he legitimately looked good. He averaged sixteen points, sorry, 17 points a game last year and five assists, albeit on 40% shooting. But you've got to remember, he had no one to pass to. Because <laughs> yeah. Embiid was injured, Covington's. I like Robert Covington. He's a decent player. I yeah, I like Roten as a backup. I think if they can get a really good point guard, either in free agency or in um or in next year's draft or the draft after, because we assume they're going to be bad for the next two years. I like the idea of Roten being a backup. I think he's an okay defender, but he's a. You, all you need is a reliable backup. You don't need someone who's going to come on and score 20 points. Well, what they're going to hope for is that Jake Diallo is going to be there when they draft next year. 
It's interesting you say that. I've I've read a couple of drafts. I've I've seen him as low as thirteen on drafts. He, he, that's the thing. He's really divisive. If mm. he plays as well as he should, he's a top five pick without question. Do you know that? Do you know that reminds me of who? Shabazz Muhammad. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Like I remember before the start of that season, he was. I'm not joking here, guys. He was the shoe-in number one pick in the draft. Yeah, he was because UCLA got him and he was a little bit older, but nobody knew that as a secret thing about his age. And he was terrific coming out of high school. And when I saw him at, at number one, I thought, well, because at the time, guys, Minnesota were actually quite good. So don't laugh at me for saying this, but I thought, oh, we've got no chance of getting him. And we, we ended up with him because he slid. He had, as Thomas just said, some lying about his age. I think he had some with a fake girlfriend or something as well at college. He had a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a strange guy. But it just goes to show that sometimes these attitude things, if you're confident in your organisation, which I think Philly should be, I think they've got some good leadership. I think guys have gone in there and improved, even though they've had nothing. Um they should have no problem with getting a character in there. I think they're a well-run team in uh, in the locker room I'm talking about here. I don't agree with what they're trying to do. But we look, they're going to be terrible, guys. They're going to be the worst team in the league. They should get number one pick. Which they're not even fun to watch. No, then they're the only team I... I think them, Charlotte and Indiana were the only teams I avoided last year. And New York. Because I hate the triangle. The thing is, I, I I enjoyed watching them when they had KJ McDaniel's, who looked like a bright spot for them, and then they traded him <laughs> for basically nothing. That's the thing that's annoying is they get guys who look like they could be pretty good to trade them and get crap all in return. You can't get good. I mean, they took on Gerald Wallace in a cash dump from friggin' Golden State. Who does yeah. that? Well, another thing they did that Kings trade, didn't they? Where they Carl Andre has a big contract. They had him dumped on them. I'm not going to say Stauskas was dumped on them because I think that was the guy they wanted. I, I believe I, they have um, a pick flip, though, from Sacramento. Yeah, they do. That's why people are a bit annoyed at Carl and Divac because he gave up that. Yeah, which, if you're Hinky, fair play. But I think he's good at getting draft picks, but it's what I agree with what Pat Riley says, and I'm sure I've mentioned this. It's not really a quote, but this idea before is that Pat Riley said it's better to go after guys in free agency because you know they're good. Whereas yeah, they're a, guys. a draft pick, you don't know they're going to be good. Like Minnesota used a second pick on Derek Williams. He was absolutely terrible. And <laughs> yeah, Ant- really Ant- Ant- he had Anthony one ben- college game. Anthony Bennett went first. He's the Timberwolves' worst player. But you just don't know that... that, that Sam Bowie pick. went of Michael Jordan. Exactly. It's just... I, I see the idea. I think you need high draft picks to rebuild, but you've got to get them right. You can't just go, yeah, we've got a high draft pick. That means whoever we get is going to be unbelievable. You've just got to look at recent history and prove that's not true. Yeah. I, I, the, the thing is with the Sixers philosophy that I just can't stand is that the fans just buy into it just because they have to. But you should expect better from a professional sports franchise. That's what I kind of admire about Knicks fans, because they moan. I like fans who moan. That's what they're there to do. Yeah, if you moan, it means you care. Exactly. You, there's there's nothing worse than a fan, this is in any sport, who just blindly supports the team. 
not maybe not the team, but blindly supports every decision made. It's, it's just a bit stupid. And I can understand believing in elements of this Sixers project. I like the, the idea of picking up guys from the D-League. I think it does work. You've only got to look at KJ McDaniels and and uh, Robert Covington to see that. But is a losing man... This is the divisive part of the argument. If you keep losing, it's sort of a like a dark cloud hanging over your franchise. Whereas if you're like the Spurs and you keep winning, that just means there's more confidence around the place. The Spurs have had some really average players go in there and look pretty good. I remember there was a point where Steven Jackson looked like one of the best bench players in the league. Do you, I mean, do you think it's detrimental to the sort of team morale, this philosophy? Without a doubt. I mean, you're just going to lose. You go in and you lose. Because all they've known since high school is winning. Yes. You win in high school, you win in college. You get into the 76ers, and within your first year, you've lost more games than you've played in high school and college combined. Yeah. I and mean, it's just... It's a complete culture shock, and they're not ready for it, and they just keep losing. And it's got to be horrible knowing, because like, when Michael Carter-Williams was there, you could see he wanted to win. He was getting benched in games where he was playing too well because they had to lose. And like Sam Hinkie was, we have to lose. It's ridiculous. It's just a crap philosophy, and nobody will ever replicate it because nobody wants to win lose. Sorry, for four or five years in a row. It's just stupid. I mean, if anyone's sitting, you know, listening to this saying that, well, you know, you're a Minnesota fan, you're a hypocrite. Minnesota were just bad. Everyone was injured. I think only Wiggins was fit the whole year. Everyone else missed time. Yes, he's a good player, but it's his first year. He's not going to carry us to wins. We, I, I like to think Minnesota did not lose a single game on purpose last year. I thought we really did try. And, but also... We're going in the right direction. We're stocking up with young guys, young guards. We're, we've hit on every draft pick since Flip Saunders well, took over. that's the thing. You, look at, you compare the two. Minnesota lost, but they lost with a young team full of talent yeah. trying to win. You know, Shabazz Muhammad, Zach Levine, Georgie Dieng is really good. I think he'll get moved, but he's a, he, trust me, he's a really good player. Anthony Bennett, I guess. Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Adrian Payne, I'm not a big fan, but he's he is a young talent. He's better than a lot of the stuff the Sixers have got. I think we're in the right direction. I'm not sure Philly are. I just don't think you can keep losing. And have they really hit with their draft picks? That's well, they've got Noel Embiid, Okafor, and Dario Saric. That's yes. four bigs. I mean, how the hell are you going to play them all? I think they were unlucky last year in the sense that. I think they wanted Russell, and I think they thought they'd get him, but they didn't, obviously, because of the lottery system. And I just think they need guards. They need to hit on their draft picks. Minnesota have done that. OKC did that. And then when they were rebuilding, I just I'm not sure they've got it in them. I really don't. I don't either. I don't trust Hinky's instincts at all. The fact that they picked Embiid, I mean, I know Embiid was full of talent, but he had like niggling injuries during the draft. And all he's done since he's been in the league is be out injured. He's he's out for the whole year, isn't he? Yeah, he's supposed to be back this year, got injured, so he's out for the (laughs) year. It's ridiculous. It's kind of sad because I remember 
a few years ago, I don't think they were good enough for a ring, but they were a good team. They, I think they had Drew Holiday, Lou Williams. Iggy. Iggy, that was it, yeah. Then Young and whoever their centre was at the time. His name's escaped me, but they were a pretty fun team. And now is they it not ch- Spencer Hawes? I thought he was on their bench, Spencer Hawes. I thought he was the sixth man, but but I've wait, they had a good team. And it's just, I don't even think Will Smith, who's their biggest fan, would have expected them to win. No. But yeah, it's just not happening for them, is it? Well, haven't Wells Fargo stopped being their stadium sponsor? I drove past it on a road trip the other day and it was still there, but maybe next season they won't be. I've got a feeling that's going to be a lot to do with losing. Probably. Who wants to be associated with a perennial loser? Not many people. It's so bad that I read that um, in order just to get people into their stadium, they're having to sell like rows of 10 seats at like a reduced price that's so stupid that it's basically pocket money for a kid. They're basically giving away seats to games. Yeah, it's, it is sad. But why would you... I'm a loyal fan and I've seen... Pretty much all teams lose. Minnesota lose a lot. Man City, when I used to follow them, lost quite a bit. Not anymore, but we used to lose. But when when tickets are expensive, you just why would you pay to go and watch it if they if there's if they're losing on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> that that's more what it is than them losing, isn't it? It's the fact they're losing on purpose. Yeah, because you can't even go again, go to a game and be like, oh, we might win this game. If they do win a game, it's weird because most teams, that you expect if they lose, you go, oh, we shouldn't have lost that. They win and say, oh, crap, we shouldn't have won that. <laughs> <laughs> We're winning too many games. It's weird. Such that a was, it was funny at the end of last year, wasn't it, when the Knicks had uh, the first pick and they won their last game against, away at Atlanta and their fans were going nuts on Twitter. Yeah, they were just... like, "What are you doing? You've won, you idiots! You've you can't even get that right. You can't lose, right?" It's just ridiculous when that is the philosophy in a sports league. It's it's, it's insanity, isn't it? Oh, that's the problem with the NBA is they allow teams to do it. I know, but I kind of agree with the counter argument. How on earth do you stop it? Like, how can you? It's it's a dangerous road to go, you'll lose it on purpose. I think the Sixers struggled to reach the salary cap floor. Yes, they did, so they just signed a load of... That shouldn't... Like, next year, they're going to have to spend money because I think they have to spend, like, 80% of the cap limit. Yes. Well, they'll so, probably get... I, I would imagine they'll go after someone next year. They'll I'll just they have to if they have to spend... Because the cap rises, they're going to have to spend a crap load of money... And they can't say, oh, we've got no money because all they've done is hold money for like the last four years. I mean, next year, there's some good... I mean, they're not going to get Kevin Durant, but there's people... There's like Al Jefferson's available, Nicola Batum, Al Horford. They'll probably go after one of them, I would imagine. But I, it's, it's extremely interesting. This division... Last time I was really harsh on this division. We did, Me and Thomas did our playoff predictions, so we won't, we won't do them again until maybe the last pod, but I don't have a single team for in this division making the playoffs. If I had to pick one to get in, it's Toronto, but I have no confidence in this division either. I can't stand Toronto's off-season, so I struggle to put them in as well. 
yeah, that I'm with you on that. They have the best chance. If they get in, I think it'll be 7th or 8th. And I think it'll be... Yeah, I think it will... If they get in, it will be because someone like Detroit bottles it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson gets injured. Or because Charlotte just suck. Or, you know, Milwaukee get injuries. I think if all these teams stay fit, they don't get in. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, same. They, they're relying on other teams to be bad because they, they didn't improve. Can they? I just don't think they improved at all. Yeah, I, I fully agree. We'll, uh, we'll discuss some news now, just a couple of things to round up. Meta World Peace is linked with a return to the NBA. Let's, <laughs> how can we discuss this? He's 35 years old. Last played for a terrible Knicks team. And he nearly named himself Panda Friend. Whilst wearing shoes with polar bears on them, not pandas. I just, I don't even know what to say about the Lakers anymore. They they are just hilarious. I'm sorry, Matt. Well, they are, hold on, they are hold on. Marcello Huertas going to them. Good sign. Do you know who should have gone for him? Who? The Dallas Mavericks. That would have been a decent pickup, actually. Or Sergio Lull, but... Yeah, he doesn't want to come, does he? No, he doesn't. That's, see, they're two guys who would have been great. But, I mean, you get Huertas, who's a good player, and then you get World Peace. <laughs> you, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's, it's, when I saw the rumour, because it came up on the track, I thought, now nah, someone's been fooled there by a parody Wodge account. And I didn't have Wi-Fi at the time, so I didn't have Wi-Fi good enough. So that was my thought the whole day, like, yeah, he's not going back. And then when I, whenever I get on my phone after a long day, I always check the news and it, it was real. And I was just like, come on. <laughs> he's got to these guys though, isn't he? Yeah, it, it sort of proves that it's not what you know, it's who you know. He's probably got contacts in all these teams. It's just like, yeah, give me a cheap deal, go on. And then you get you get some good people who are still free agents, which is just crazy. Um, the most serious piece of news, and a really good piece of news for Mark Benson, our Charlotte Hornets fan, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, signed a new contract. Four-year, 52. I think this is a brilliant deal. I think he's... I'd have him as a top three defender in the league. I'd no, have him. He's incredible. Yeah, I'd have him up there with Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, Tony Allen is still an elite defender. There's people are very narrow. I think people go, he can't shoot. That's not true, first of all. He's not don't get me wrong, he's not a good shooter, but his mid range shot is improving. But he's he's just he's so good. What do you, do you think? Do you agree with this? Is a, a steal? No, you're not a steal, but a good deal. Yeah, people say you can't shoot or do anything offensively, but he's so good defensively. Yeah, and legitimately the best young defender in the NBA because he's I think he's 21, 22. Yep, 22. I mean that's ridiculous. Like, he's incredibly good defensively, and Charlotte have got this young player that they can build around. And he can legit shut down anybody. He can. I, I'd pay that money for him without a question. Especially going into next year when he could have made a hell of a lot more. And also, you've got to remember, you know, Charlotte are not a winning team at the moment. And it's almost the fact they've got him that cheap. 
which amazes me. Well, what, what they've got to consider is he's not good offensively, but they traded for Nick Batum. Yeah. Nick Batum is. is good offensively. He wasn't last year, but I think that there was a lot of problems there. I because he had an injury throughout the season. Also, I don't think he enjoyed being sort of... Fifth, like the fourth string guy. Yeah, fourth string. I, yeah, I'd say only Lopez was, uh, you know, less relied on offensively. Or sort of the, you know, the option below him in that starting lineup. But I think what you've got to do, if you have a guy like Gilchrist who's not a great... He can't really create his own shot. You've got to surround him with good good scorers, and I think they've done that. Kemba Walker, I'm not a huge Kemba Walker guy, but he's a good scorer. Al Jefferson's probably the second best offensive center in the uh, NBA. They've got Frank Kaminsky, who I think is going to be really good. I I really like what they've done this off season. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, <laughs> I did too. It's interesting to see how um, Al Jefferson plays this year because the offense, it's very one-dimensional, but it's pretty efficient. And I know they got Spencer Hawes, didn't they? Uh, yes, they did. He's yeah. not very good defensively either as a big. So I, I'd love to know where the rim protection is going to come from. Yeah, because they lost Biombo. We discussed him earlier. We'll have a, an in-depth discussion on the Hornets. We'll probably get Mark, who's our fan. We'll try and get him on, but he's he's a busy guy. Um, I, I really like what they've done, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Kid Gilchrist thing, I think, summed up. Very good off-season. If I was going to power rank the off-seasons, they'd probably be in my top five. They've inked Kid Gilchrist. They've got Jeremy Lin on a ridiculously cheap contract. They've They needed shooters. They added... They got Troy Daniels back. They signed Batum. They signed Kaminsky. They signed Hawes. They've got Aaron Harrison in. I think they've done a really good job. I don't, do you think that Gil, Kid Gilchrist would have gotten more money if he'd waited? Oh, hell yeah. yeah I, if he made it to free agency next year, he was getting... He could have been maxed out just because of how good he is defensively. I, yeah, that's that's what I was saying. I thought, I thought he could have been maxed out. When you consider what some other people get, you know, look at what Draymond Green got. I'm not saying I'm not a Draymond Green fan because I am, but I think they're in similar situations where Draymond Green is not a great shooter, but he thrived in that offense because the amount of open shots he got. I think Charlotte could try and do something like that with MKG. Yeah, and like, thing is, well, like we had this discussion earlier in the off season regarding DeAndre Gordon. And it's, yes, he's only a defender, but how good of a defender is he? Yes. And it's <laughs> only there's only a couple guys in the NBA, and you say, they can only do one thing, but you max them out for one thing. Yes. I, I, and that's I read, what he is. I like, that's, Kevin Love is the opposite. When we had him at Minnesota, Kevin Love's an awful defender. Like, let's not sure. He's probably one of the worst defenders in the NBA. But he was a scorer. And Rick Adelman said, you know what? We'll max that out. Why is it different with defensive players? It's not, is it? No, it's just less glamorous. Yes, that's exactly it. I think they'll max him. They'll put him on. He can guard anyone, can't he? He's he's, he's well-sized. Yeah, he's freaking long. 
He is. I, I think he could guard everyone apart from centres. Or maybe I wouldn't trust him against someone like Zebo, but you've you can put him on any guard, any swing man. He did a really good job on LeBron James last year, which I was really impressed with. Yeah, he that's the thing, he's he's also confident enough to want to play these great players. Yeah, he he really does remind me of Tony Allen, but not nuts. A lot There's more team all defence. Yep. They could both be on uh, all defense this God, year. That'd be a terrific defensive team, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm a... Can't score, but they wouldn't. Yes. They'd only have to, you'd only have to allow them to score fifty points. Uh, Apparently, um, Prokhorov is trying to buy hundred percent of the net. Forty points to leave. So did I, but apparently he's uh, in negotiations to get complete control of the nets. For Jay Z, didn't Jay Z own part of the Nets? Yeah, that was the thing when the Nets got this new money. It was all Jay Z's part of it. It's this big thing. He's, you know, in the song he said, but, um, "Move the Nets, BK," and then they went bad. So he sold his share, and Proper and Billy King have slowly but surely screwed them over. So good luck, Brooklyn. Yes, good luck to Brooklyn, and good luck to everyone in the Eastern Conference because you don't have the support of us at Double Clutch. You're all going to suck. <laughs> Apart from Toronto, you could be okay. And Boston, if stuff goes right. But yeah, guys, we hope you enjoyed this. It's quite fun podding. Uh, we we want to do all six divisions. We've got to try and battle or withdraw symptoms of the NBA. We're missing it as well. Thomas, any final thoughts? Just a thing, look out for a future podcast. We had some guys at a 2K event today. So they will be podding on what they found when they are legally allowed to discuss their findings. Ah, yes. That was it. And, yeah, that that game's coming out soon. That'll take up a lot of my time, I expect. 26 days and counting. Yeah, I might have to pre-order it. I pre-ordered it the other day, which is why I'm counting, because I know I've paid for it. It's going to be good. It's the best sports game. But anyway, uh, Thomas, pleasure having you on, as always. Same, buddy. So, So bye, guys. In the hands of Anthony. Anthony for three. 